turn in your Bibles to 1 John chapter 4. We'll be there in a moment. I'm not going to read a lot of Scripture there for the main context of our message today, but uh, we're going to skip around a few other places. Get your uh, pens and paper ready or your electronic device. Get your thumbs warmed up, whatever, to take notes. It don't matter. We're going to go through some things. The first of the year is always a great time to evaluate ourselves. Amen? First of the year is an excellent time to look at our lives and say, what do I need to fix? Amen? Uh, six weeks ago, your pastor said he's too fat. And the doctor said he was too fat, so we said, we're going to fix this. But some of us, we stop here at this time of year, we say, we got to fix this. And some of us have said, you know, I want to I walk closer with Christ. Last year, it just seems like it was just yesterday that I, that I taught a message in January last year that said, uh, uh, what was it? Anybody ever remember? Building a new you in 2016. And we talked about what steps do I need to take to build a new me. That By this time next year, I'm going to be stronger in my faith. And one of those was that we would attend at least service at least once a week. Uh, be connected to a small group, discipleship group, Sunday school, Wednesday night, whatever it may be. And then we also said that we need to be in devotions four days a week at least. Whether in the Word, feeding ourselves in the Spirit and, and prayer at least four days a week. We talked about involving ourselves in at least one outreach a year and make ourselves find a place to serve. How many of you feel like you've grown in grace in the last year? You feel closer to Jesus. All right, seven of us. Awesome. Awesome. <laughs> Hank, I'm glad you raised your hand because I was hoping you needed Jesus. So we're glad that... I'm just teasing you, buddy. I like to tease people. It's that area. Usually in the first service, that's where Ron uh, sits. And I pick on Ron all the time. So anyway, it's just the area. That's where I used to sit when I was a kid. And I would eat corn nuts and beef jerky. So you thought I didn't. I did. And everybody would be like, what's that smell? In 2011, I taught a series entitled Core Values. This is actually the same graphic. Anybody remember seeing this graphic before? I taught through our church's values who we are as a church. We're a church of love. We are a church that uh, is founded on the manifest presence of God. We're founded on the Word of God. We, um, we are a church that, that, that's founded on prayer and intercession, on missions and outreach, and that we value all people from all generations. That's who we are as a church. These are our core values. When I taught this in 2011, it was kind of a revelation thing. I would, I would ask everybody, who, do you, who, do, who are we as a church? What are our core values? And everybody would kind of go... And it's kind of like standing at the side of, of uh, the uh, Grand Canyon and going, wow. And then going back and somebody said, well, tell me, tell me, what was it like? It's just, wow. So we, we were able to define that through a lot of things. We, what I taught was as we went through Jesus talking to the disciples and saying, uh, who do you say I am? Well, who do others say I am? Who do you say I am? And then when John the Baptist's disciples came to Jesus and said, are you the one we should be looking for? He didn't give him a yes or no. He just said, here's the fruit. Go back and tell John you see this. And so for us, we had to evaluate who we thought we were, who others say we are, and whether there was fruit to back either one of them up. And those were the things we came up with. Now, our core values, folks, I promise you, I'm not going to just do this structure stuff the whole time. But our core values is what this is, is this is the guardrails to our life, to our faith, and us as a church. It's what keeps us on track. If we are in leadership, and I begin to deal with something without an attitude of love, then the love factor of who we are should bump me back in line. You ever needed bump back in line before? When I was a kid, it was kind of like this. 
Right? Well, that's what these things do. It's the Holy Spirit helping us remain on track. If we try to govern or lead things or do things here in the church without love, we're going to fail miserably. If we try to do it without the presence of God, we're going to become a club. If we try to do it without the Word of God, we are a club. And if we do it without prayer and intercession, why are we doing this? We're doing it in our own power. We're going to fail. And if we are doing this, why wouldn't we have, if we say we love people and we believe in the power and presence of God and the gospel and the word of God, why wouldn't we have a desire for missions to reach out to somebody else and see them get saved? And if we were selective in who we thought needed to be saved and who wasn't, we wouldn't value all people from all generations. Well, that's not love. That's not the heart of God that you find in prayer. You're not going to find that in the presence of God. In the presence of God, we know that in Revelation, there's going to be a number of people from tribes, languages, and tongues. Right? So that's not God. If we are going to be the people of God, we've got to behave like the people of God. And if we start having favoritism, if we start disliking somebody, we should be able to bump ourselves back in line. If we throw any of these things out, and there could be some other things we'll add to it, but good grief, we're not going to make a long list. So today, I want us to reevaluate who we are. Last time I taught through our core values, I taught that this is who we are. Today, I want to challenge you, are you who you say you are? Are you loving people? Are you pursuing the presence of God? Are you in the Word? Are you feeding yourself? Do you pray? Do you have a heart for missions or outreach of any kind? Are you partial in your love to people or do you choose who you like and who you don't like? It's one thing to have these things as organizational guidelines. It's something totally different when it becomes the body of Christ. Folks, when I start talking about these are the core values of our church, I'm not just talking about how we operate in the office. I'm talking about us. You know, there's a lot of new people here. Over the last few years, we've seen a lot of growth. Had a lot of people come and go. I think when I took over as pastor almost seven years ago, we were averaging about 165 people on any given Sunday. This last year, we averaged 201. So, so we're seeing growth, and we're seeing people come and go. And I realize there's a lot of people here that have never heard me talk about these things. So we're revisiting it. Is that okay? Yes. It's important. You, you know what? If you're going to be a part of our church, this is who you are. This is who we hope we all are. Amen? Amen. So, today I want to talk with you about love. Covington First Assembly is a place where a person can experience the love of God and they can experience the love of people. And it's a place where we should come and express our love to God and it's a place where we can come and express our love to one another. Amen? Isn't that a good thing? Everybody wants to be loved. Everybody desires to be loved. We live in a culture today, folks, where people are misguided because the people who claim to know God the most or the best misrepresent Him most often. And an atheist will look in and say, see, there is no God. Look at 1 John chapter 4, verse 16. And John's writing about love between brothers and about how that love is an evident evidence of Christ in us. And look at the second half 
of verse 16 of chapter 4. He says, God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in Him. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in Him. Now, there's a lot of people that have taken love and have expressed it differently or suggested that God is this or God is that. And just like I said this morning, you cannot remove God's holiness from His love. Amen? Just like you can't remove love from holiness. (laughs) Anybody ever been in those situations before where somebody's making a list of rules for you with no love? Everybody loves rules without relationship, right? That's the best way to raise your children. Just beat them and then move on. Don't love them at all. Folks, listen, we've got to, yes, holy, yes, love, yes, but you cannot separate the two. Amen? So, so that's what John's saying here, and God truly is love, and if we're going to stay in track, on track in 2017, then we need to make sure that we are loving people correctly. If we see people come in these doors, then we need to love them correctly. Amen? As I was preparing this message, the Lord gave me a picture. Julie Creek's rubbing off on me. God gives her pictures and He gave me a picture the other day. I knew you'd be proud of me, Julie. <laughs> I was preparing this and, and the Lord showed me a picture of a great chasm. And there was a deep chasm. You couldn't even see the bottom two. And on one side was the Lord. As a matter of fact, it was kind of elevated a little bit. And the Lord was on one side of it in all of His glory. And it, he, was, he was radiant. And he wasn't just radiant in light and in, in, in purity, but also in joy and in love. You could see it in his eyes and the smile on his face. And he's saying, he's doing this. Now I look across the chasm and on the other side was a lost sinner. A person who was beat up, is bruised, his face was bloody, his lip was bleeding. He was all tattered and beat up from the enemy having had his way with him. And he was looking across to Jesus and he was interested to go to him. And all that was between Jesus and, and, I mean, Jesus and and this lost soul was was a tattered old broken bridge. And the wood was, was dry rotted and there was planks out and it was cracked. And he had come to the edge of the bridge. And he was looking at the Savior and he, he, he was attracted to what the message of who he was, was, but he could not get past the bridge. You say, Pastor, what are you talking about? What the Lord spoke to me is, is that Christ is the way. Christ is the way to the Father. We know that. But so often people look at our lives and they get distracted because we have not maintained ourselves. And we can become either a pathway or we can become a roadblock to them getting to Christ. Now, don't say, well, preacher, I know there's always cynical people. Well, preacher, you're just putting it all on people, and it ain't on people. It's on God. You're putting it on people. You can't put it on people. It's on God. God, God's the one that saves them. I get that. But when they see a bunch of so-called Christians that are fighting, backstabbing, talking each other down, gossiping, slandering, hating each other, having attitude, they go, I got enough of that in my own home. I got enough of that in my workplace. I don't think I want to go there on Sunday and do it too. You know what I'm saying? God has called us to love. And folks, if you are living in love, you're going to live in God. People are going to see Christ in you. You say, Pastor, what does that look like? Well, it looks a lot of different ways. I'm going to, give you, I'm going to ask you five questions this morning. Some of you right now say, that means five points. All right, let's check the time. 
Just so you know, one of my resolutions this year is to preach shorter. And I have that resolution every year, just like I always had the weight loss thing. But maybe it'll happen this year, you never know. Maybe my prayer is, Lord, make it seem like I'm preaching shorter. Question number one. If you are a member of Covington First Assembly, if you call this church your home church, I'm going to ask you a question. Are you showing love to others without favoritism? Are you showing love to others without favoritism? Something that was said in our, our Sunday school class this morning with our men, a comment that was made by Chris and we were discussing some things. He spoke about an individual who loved somebody, not for their behaviors when they were a young person, but for their value. So often we, we love people based on their behaviors, don't we? Instead of their value, who they are in Christ. In this passage in James chapter 2, you can turn there or follow along on the screen. James chapter 2 verse 1, my brothers, as believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ, don't show favoritism. Suppose a man comes into your meeting wearing a gold ring and fine clothes and a poor man in shabby clothes also comes in. If you show special attention to the man wearing fine clothes and say, here's a good seat for you, but say to the poor man, you stand there or sit on the floor by my feet. Have you not discriminated among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Listen, my dear brothers. Has not God chosen those who are poor in the eyes of the world to be rich in faith and to inherit the kingdom He promised those who love Him? Folks, we cannot show favoritism. You know what annoys me? Other than a cricket on a warm summer night when you're trying to sleep. (laughs) Drive you crazy. You know what annoys me? People that say, well, people. Okay, we'll just move on. (laughs) Just kidding. People that say, well, that church is just clicky. It's just full of clicks. That church is clicky. Click, 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 click. What that means is, is I was offended by somebody and I left. That's what that means. Folks, here's what happens. Most all of us here in this place have a goodwill toward one another, but we have comfortable friendship circles that we like to go to. Is that wrong? Is it wrong to have certain people you're close to more than others? Listen, you can't be best friends with everybody. You can't. There ain't no way you can be best friends with everybody. So you're going to have five, six people, whatever, that you're really close to, and it's going to be easy to walk in and see them. Hey, hey, how are you guys doing? You can pick up the last conversation from three days ago and just start talking and laughing again. It's easy. So you're drawn to that relationship. Does that make you a click? No. Listen, when I was a youth pastor... I would explain this to young people like, well, I don't like this. it's just clicky, it's just clicky. Listen, it's not clicky. The football players sit with the football players, the cheerleaders sit with the cheerleaders, and the, the, the techies sit with the techies, and the band uh, people sit with the band people, and, and everything else. And, and so all of a sudden, no, I didn't say band geeks. Some people embrace it, some people don't. So they don't sit together, and they say, well, that one's clicky, that's a clicky. That's a, no, it's not. They're in groups together, they do things together, they're friends. It becomes a click when somebody else comes over and says, is it okay if I sit here? And you go, no. That's a click. Amen? Church people don't do that. But we get misunderstood because we come into the building and we go to our people that are comfortable and and, and suddenly now we're a click. Listen, I want to challenge you. Take the blinders off. It's not that you're showing favoritism. It's that you're presumed to show favoritism just because you're doing what's natural. Let's do what's supernatural. Let's look for the uncomfortable relationship. 
Let's look for somebody we've never met before. How many of you get awkward when you have to go meet somebody you've never met before? Oh my gosh, yeah. How many of you? Seriously, say it's just not me. Oh, Tom, put your stinking hand down. (laughs) Tom never met a stranger in his life. (laughs) April and I are different. April's always like, I have to make myself. Hi, how are you? Doesn't that make you feel bad that she does that? No, I'm just kidding. I, I'm the type where I, I don't care. I'm just out there. Hey, everybody, how you doing? I'm always looking for somebody that's sitting by themselves or what. That's just how I'm wired. Folks, take the blinders off. Look around. Let me ask you a question. Are there people here that are not first-time visitors that you have seen in this building before that you don't know their names? Raise your hand. Look how pathetic we are. Call yourselves a church of love. Don't even know anybody. Quit showing favoritism. I know you're not. But I will tell you this. As your pastor, I will not stand for racism in this church. I don't care what your skin color is. I don't care what your background is. I don't care what nationality you are. I don't care what, uh, what uh, gender you are. I don't even care what gender confused you are. I don't care. You're going to receive love. Now you say, Pastor, you can't, you can't love people that are gay or you can't love people. Listen, I love alcoholics. I love adulterers. I'm not approving of their lifestyle. I'm just saying I'm going to love them. What that means is they're going to get eye contact, they're going to get a handshake, they're going to get a hug around the neck. I'll call them whatever stinking name they want to be called. I don't care. I'm going to show honor. Why? Because that's our Heavenly Father. The only time Jesus confronted people was the religious Pharisees that thought they had it all right. The others He addressed the sin, but He did it with love. Anybody is welcome to worship here but I will not change the message. That's what transforms us. Amen? Because here's the thing. If we pick and choose who we love and who we don't love, I already know people come in the doors and some people are like, oh dear Lord, here we go. (laughs) I'm not going to go to somebody who's wealthy and love them more than I'm going to love somebody that's poor. And I'm not going to love somebody who's poor more than I'm going to love somebody that's wealthy. Folks, we, we have to have an attitude of the Holy Spirit in these situations. Otherwise, we become judges with evil intent. What is a judge with evil intent? A judge that is evil is a judge that is partial. Hear what I'm saying. A judge that is evil is a judge that is partial. He's going to judge differently for one than he is the other. He's going to do for one one way and one the other way. Listen, folks, we cannot become judges with evil intent. We must be men and women of God who love the Lord enough to make an avenue for all to come to Jesus. And I don't care what your background is. You may be a thief. You may be a liar. You may be an alcoholic. You may be an adulterer. You may be a fornicator. You may be whatever it is. I don't care what you have done. I may not put you in charge of our children's ministry. (laughs) Or I'm not going to make you an usher that counts the money if you're a thief. But I'm going to look you in the eye. I'm going to treat you with the value you are rather than your behavior. Some of you right now are saying, oh, that's why he's nice to me. (laughs) Listen, that's why somebody was nice to me. Little fat curly-headed kid sitting in the back corner of the church eating beef jerky and corn nuts during the service. Slap that kid upside the head. Where were his... Where were his parents anyway? 
two rows in front of me. (laughs) Number two, are you showing devotion and honor towards your brothers and sisters in Christ? Romans 12, 10. Again, a word about love and uh, togetherness. If you read the context of all these passages, please write them down. Go home and read the full context. But be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another above yourselves. Above myself? That's a tough one. Because a lot of us like to really think that we need honor, correct? We just had a new member class a while back, and, and I said, we sit there around the table. I think there's like 11 of us in there. Some became members, some didn't, not a big deal. But, but we sit there, and, and here's what everybody said. Every single one of them around the table. I, I feel the love of God. I feel accepted. I feel the presence of God. When I hear that, that means there's some devotion happening. That means there's some brotherly love happening. Amen? Some of you like brotherly love. You like somebody pat you on the back and say, hey, I love you, man. You're an okay guy. You're all right. You're accepting. Folks, that's good. I, I can be excited about that. If things, these things are increasing, that means gossip, lies, slander, and unforgiveness should be decreasing. Scripture is clear that we need to live in unity, that we need to carry one another's burdens, that we be humble enough to realize that we too have sinned and fallen short in many ways, so we need to extend the mercy and grace that our brothers and sisters need. Everybody say need. need. Because they're going to need your mercy and grace at some point. Church people will tick you off. If you get in friendships with anybody, at some point somebody's going to say something, you're going to be saying, did you hear what they said? They're going to frustrate you. Somebody's going to upset you. Listen, that's why we carry one another's burdens. That's why we bear with one another. Sometimes you have to carry things with them. Listen, folks, I want to challenge you. Are you being devoted to one another? Are you honoring them? Listen, we all get talked. People have said things. People say, Pastor, have people said things about you? Yes. And you know what? Were they wrong? Yes. Were they right? Yes. We, We have to... Can't we all just get along? And the only way we're going to get along is when you can step back, hear criticism, and go, they're right. (laughs) Or you go, "Eh, I disagree with that, but I love them anyway. I'm not going to shut off friendship, demand a critical person to have their membership removed from the church. Absolutely not. We need to be devoted. Folks, if we're going to be devoted, we've got to love people. And I'm going to tell you this, that every family... Every family has got some level of dysfunction. Every one of them. Any family is going to have some level of dysfunction. Us included. There's going to be some dysfunction here. And as I said in the first service, your biggest area of dysfunction is standing before you. We all have our moments. Amen? There's times where we say things and do things. I've made people mad. I've hurt people's feelings. People have hurt my feelings, but we have to be devoted to one another. You want to talk about brotherly love? Do brothers fight? Do sisters fight? Oh, Lord, I could tell you some sister fight stories. <laughs> with me, the youngest of five with four older sisters, you're talking hair pulling, nail screaming. Wah! Both have a hold of each other's head saying, you better let go, I let go, you let go of my... They start pulling. I'm just sitting on the couch eating my hot dog. Hey, Bob, you watching the TV? No, 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 go ahead. 
But here's the thing, my sisters, we always would talk about this. We're talking kids now. I say, it's not like they fought like that last week. It was a long time ago. But, but you sit there and, and you look at that and, and you know, though, man, if, I've seen one person turn on one of them and like the whole bunch saying, well, let's go get them. I mean, I'm talking kids now. I'm not talking adults acting like children. I'm talking children. They said, they did that to you? Well, let's go get them. I'm like, No, the people of God don't behave that way. The church doesn't behave that way. But I will tell you this. There are times where we're going to have disagreements. Amen? But we know when the rubber meets the road, if there's an issue and somebody needs something, we have a church family here that's going to be there for them. It doesn't matter what disagreements we've had. It doesn't matter what misunderstanding we've had over Scripture or whatever else. If you need me, I'm going to be there. If you need others, they're going to be there. Now, not all of us at once. If you're in the hospital, you don't want 200 people showing up to see you. If your hair all matted over, you hadn't brushed your teeth in two days, and you're in that nice gown they give you. And all of a sudden, 200 people walk in the room, hey, we just wanted to say hi and pray for you. Oh, dear Lord, you look awful. <laughs> you don't want 200 people in there saying, you look awful, sweetheart. My goodness, we're going to lay hands. Everybody get over here and pray for sister so-and-so. Lord, have mercy. But somebody will be there. Speaking of which, I forgot to announce it, Gladys Holy Cross is home going through her cancer treatments and has said thank you so much for the cards and the encouragement from so many of you. And uh, obviously, uh, as she's going through uh, this process, um, she's left her Christmas tree up. She loved it. It was an encouragement to her. Didn't want to take it down. Left it up. And she said, if uh, those of you who have been writing her, anybody that wants to, we want to assist her with this. Anybody that wants to write a word of encouragement, send her cards. She's going to take them and hang them on her Christmas tree and leave it up throughout this whole process just as a reminder of encouragement to her. Can we do that? Of course we can. You know why, don't you? Because we love each other with a brotherly love. We honor others above ourselves and we don't get caught up in petty things and we don't get too busy with our own stuff. We stop and we write a note. See that? I just kind of imparted something to you. Thirdly, I promise I'll go faster now. Are we serving one another in love? Galatians 5.13 says, You, my brothers, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the sinful nature. Rather, serve one another in love. Now, the context here of what he's talking about is denying yourself. Again, honoring others above yourself. Denying yourself some things so that you don't cause an issue with your brother. Everybody say this word with me. Consider it. Say it again. Consider it. One word. Not consider it. Consider it. At. Eight. You ever met somebody that just wasn't considerate? Let's say stupid stuff. They just, you ever met somebody that the words, other than myself, that the words just flow off with no thought? You ever met somebody, and then you walk away and you're going, dear Lord, what was that? Driving me crazy. Talk, what, that was rude. No, it was just inconsiderate. Folks, in our lives and in our faith, if you're going to be a person of love, that love should overflow into consideration of others. It should overflow in consideration not only for your brothers and sisters in Christ, but for what it's talking about here, for your brothers and sisters in Christ, yes, but also the lost. Is, is your speech considerate? Are your actions considerate? The places you go, are they considerate? Of who's seeing you, who's watching you, who's thinking of you. 
Well, be careful, little eyes, what you see. Be careful, little eyes. Remember, be careful, little ears, what you hear. Be careful, little lips, what you say. But the message of that song is always because the Father, everybody sing it together. Because the Father up above is looking down in love. Oh, be careful, little what you say, whatever. But anyway, we know the song, but we talk about the Father watching, which is important. But folks, what about your neighbor watching? What, what about the other people around you that are going, that's a Christian? Be considerate. Not just in this place, but in your workplace and in your home and in your communities. I know all of us don't live in this community. Wherever you're at, be considerate. People are watching you. Aren't they? Number four, are you encouraging others in their faith? Hebrews 10.24, let us consider, again, there's that word, how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. If we're going to be considerate about how we act, we must also think about and consider how we can encourage. We, We are considerate to not discourage, and we are considerate to encourage. But if we're going to be considerate to encourage, we must make ourselves a part of the group. Amen? I just got off vacation. I told April on the way here, I said, I don't feel like I've preached in like months. A week off, week and a half off. You know what? Somebody said, where'd you go? Did you go to Florida? I said, no, I just turned up the heat in my living room and sat in my shorts. It was awesome. We went somewhere for vacation. It was 72 degrees on the dot all day, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. It was awesome. But we closed ourselves in. This is what we did on this. It was so restful. Oh, do you ever get tired of people? You get after the holidays, it's all over, and you say, Dear Lord, I'm so glad I don't have to be around people. Can I, be I love you. I do love you. But sometimes I love myself more. I took a vacation. So we sit at home, and we were so closed off from the world that people drive by, and we'd be like, they're not coming here, are they? <laughs> okay, they went past. So nice. But you know what? Those moments, those, you've got to have those times where you're away. Amen? You've got to have it. But you know what? So you've got to come back. You can't just live like that. You've got to plug yourself in. Jesus Christ filled you with His Spirit, yes, to reach the lost. Yes, Amen? but also to encourage your brothers to walk alongside them and saying, hey man, how are you doing today? I'm proud of you, buddy. You're doing a great job. Barbie, I'm so glad you're out of the hospital, sweetie. I'm so glad that you are well. What an awful place to be on Christmas. Amen? Greg and Joyce, I'm glad you're not traveling the world and you're just with us today. I miss you. Miss you when you're gone. Amen? Roger, he always gives me a handshake and a smile and Sarah's got some of the best hugs in the world other than Amy Herzog. We... Folks, listen, to encourage one another, to walk amongst each other, and to pat each other on the back and to show each other love, that's not manipulation. It's the love of Christ. I love that crazy Michelle sits right up here in the front. And every time I record and upload our stuff on the internet and I say something, you can always hear Michelle going, <laughs> She's an encouragement. Brian, I love him on the drums. He's like, I love you, and I love to encourage you. On Sundays, I love to have at least a one-minute conversation with as many people as I can, and at least some, see some smiles. 
I love that. I, I feed off of that. When Jesus said, and he was with the woman at the well, and he was hungry and thirsty when the disciples left him, and they come back, and he's refreshed and nourished, and they said, what, did somebody bring you food? He said, I have food you know not of. It's to do the will of my Father in heaven. This, this desire to encourage one another, it should be contagious. It should be exciting. We should come in the door and be like, I can't wait to just encourage somebody. Tom Creek has that. You're infected with that. That encouragement thing. I love you for that. Tom's always like, man, I love you. Hey, how you doing? He's excited. Folks, listen. Encourage one another. How are we spurring one another on? People always talk about accountability. You've got to have accountability. You've got to have accountability. And a lot of times we think accountability is, all right, sit down. Have you looked at anything nasty this week? Have you said this? Have you, have you watched your mouth? Instead, what we need is people to hold us accountable and say, you know what? Bless your heart. You're going to make it. I'm with you. And it doesn't, what you have done, God knows what you have done. I'm praying for you. I'm holding you up in prayer. I'm walking with you. I'm reading the scripture. And as I was reading the other day, this verse came to mind for you. I love you. That kind of encouragement, folks, if you will love people like that, you will be one of the most contagious, attractive bridges to Jesus that anybody's ever seen. Lastly, Verse 5, are you loving your enemy? For those of you that have joined me in the challenge to read through the Bible in a year, you read this passage just last week. Those of you that, that are reading and not reading it through in a year, by no means are you doing anything wrong. Read. Feed yourself one way or another. Or another. Make sure God is pouring His Spirit into your life. But this passage, but I tell you, Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. He causes His Son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your brothers, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that? Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. One thing I can be sure of, as I told April again on, this, on the way into church this morning, I don't talk to my... Everybody says, I bet... They tell April, I bet he preaches those sermons to you every day, every time. No, you probably heard it. No. I don't talk to her a lot about church stuff. When, when I get home, I, I, try to, I try to make it home. Now, sometimes it overflows. You know what I'm saying? I, 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 it's got to be kind of a harbor. My family, they don't want to live, breathe, and eat church. They're here enough. Alyssa grew up in the church. I mean, that's what, she's always been here. Always. But on the way to church, my mind's going. And I said, you know what? I said, I, it could just be me, but I don't think it is. I just, I really feel we are very near an explosion of, of people coming to Christ and coming through the doors of our church. I said, I could be wrong, but I just feel that in my spirit. And I can promise you this, folks. That as Christ draws in the lost, you're going to have a temptation to see to be frustrated when some of your enemies come in. It's one thing to love people who don't love you outside of these walls. That's fine, and we all need to apply that. But right now, I'm telling you that there are people, and for some of us, it may have already happened, where some folks have come in, you're like, oh, dear Lord, what are they doing here? But if we only love those who love us back, 
We aren't crossing over into a spiritual love of grace and mercy and the love of Christ. Can you imagine how that person feels? Maybe there was a conflict uh, a couple years ago and, and this person has been through some stuff since then. You haven't even talked to them because you like every time you see them in public, you're like, I'm just going to go the other way. And, and, and so then they walk in the door and you see them and you make eye contact and you're like, and you think, great, they're at my church. How do you think the other person feels when they make eye contact with you? Nope, I just chose the wrong church. Let me challenge you something. I'm speaking to believers here right now who have the Spirit of Christ in them. Somebody walks through these doors and maybe you've had an issue. You have an option. You can act like you didn't see Him. You can avoid Him the whole time. Or you can go up to them and shake their hand and say, I'm so glad that you're here today. Hear me. Hear me when I say this. I'm going to ask you a question. Is God still in the life-transforming business? Did He transform you? Are you being transformed? I'll challenge you with this. There was probably a time in your life that you were not the most friendly, attractive person in the world. And somebody loved you. You tell me which would mean more to this person who is an enemy of yours. If they come in the door and a stranger comes up and says, hey, it's so good that you're here with us today. Or if the person who they are sure does not like them walks up, shakes their hand, looks at them and says, I'm so glad you're here. And if you need anybody to sit with, we have a spot for you next to us. Suddenly, Christ is seen. You say, but pastor, you know, if I do that, if, if I do that, what if, what if they just laugh at me? What if they say, some, this person's already stabbed me in the back before. What's to say they won't do it again? And to that person, I would say this. Jesus Christ came to this earth knowing that his back was going to be ripped off, that his beard was going to be ripped out, that he was going to be beat over the head with a staff, with the crown of thorns into his head, and nails driven through his hands and feet, and thrown up on a, de- on a bloody cross, hanging there between heaven and earth, so that he could say, Father, forgive them. They don't even know what they're doing and you're going to stand there and tell me that I'm afraid that it may happen to me listen child of God take up your cross and follow him get past it pull out the root of bitterness shake a hand look him in the eye and say I love you God is in the transforming business That means I'll have to eat crow, Pastor. Bread it and fry it. It's not too bad. (laughs) You can bread and fry anything. It tastes good. I've had to eat crow before. Sometimes I eat two or three crows at once. (laughs) But God's called us to be unified and He's called us to love. So no church is perfect. And we're always going to have our issues because lost people are always going to be coming through our doors. 
and there's going to be people that are growing in grace that aren't going to be arrived yet. And none of us have arrived yet. And we're going to be in different levels of maturity. But there has got to be much mercy for one another in this place. And 1 Peter 4.8 says, Above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. What that saying is, is that it covers sins. That word in the Greek, it talks about covering sins. That, that covering over our sins doesn't remove our sins, it just hides it. And I can tell you this, that there are many of you in this church and many in the early service that I've probably done some things too that's maybe offended, maybe I've reacted wrongly, maybe I've said something, maybe I've done something or I wasn't someplace that I should have been when I should have been and I've missed some things and people in this church have loved me through it. Why? Because you've said, Pastor must have something going on. That's not him. Pastor overreacted. I know that's not you. You must be going through something and shown so much grace at times when I have, when I have messed up. And what I've learned is, is, is that they know that I love them so they covered over the sin and saw me for who I was. You want that kind of reaction out of people when you make mistakes. Then love them and love them deeply. Love them and love them deeply and I promise you, you're going to receive some love back. And I say publicly, thank you for being a loving group of people. I mean that from the bottom of my heart. I hear so many horror stories from so many pastor friends of mine. And I'm so grateful for all of you. In this year, can we be a church of love? Can we love God and can we love others? And can we bear with one another at times when we fall short? Because we will. Amen. Will you bow your heads with me this morning? I've talked a lot about love this morning. I've talked a lot about a love for one another. But there was a time when I was an enemy of Christ. And He loved me. He forgave me of my sins. Cleansed me, purified me, purged me. Called me to minister. Filled me with His Spirit. And I just want to make sure that everybody in this room has received that opportunity. Do you know Christ as your Lord and Savior? Have you received His love? Is that love evident in your life? If you don't know Him as your Lord and Savior, what a way to kick off 2017 as a new believer in Jesus Christ and receiving His love. If that's you, would you just simply lift a hand? We want to pray with you this morning. Say, Pastor, I need to make Jesus the Lord of my life. Amen. More believers here. You say, Pastor, I want to love deeper this year. I want Christ to open my eyes to others more than they ever have been. I want to be considerate. I want to be compassionate. I want to be forgiving. If that's you this morning, you just lift your hand. I'm going to pray over you today. Hopefully it's all of us. Hopefully we want to grow in this area. Yes. If we are increasing in love, we are increasing in Christ. <laughs> Father, I just pray over this congregation this morning. Those that lifted their hands. God, I pray that you would honor their prayer and their recognition of a desire to grow in grace. Father, fill us, fill all of us with your presence this year. 
overflowing God with your love. Let us live in love. Let us not separate love from holiness and let us not try to have holiness without love. But God, let us be filled with your grace, with your mercy, with your peace, with your presence, overflowing day by day, minute by minute, hour by hour, God. Fill every home. Fill every home represented here today with your peace. Those that are here, God, those that cannot be here, God, I pray for Gladys right now in her home dealing with these chemotherapy treatments. She's kind of cut off from us right now, God, and we can't be there because I don't want to make her sick. But Lord, your presence, just fill that room right now in that place. For, for Mary G., who's the same situation at her home, God, I, I pray your mercy there as she's, she's, she's avoiding sickness. Touch her life. For Maxine, God, who's shut in right now because of the weather and what it does to her, pour your spirit out there. Karen Rourke, many others, Father, that are at home for various reasons, bless them. And take a portion of the spirit that's here and place it in them. And God, I pray that you go with us, you go before us, you surround us, that you bless us in our coming and our going, and that your grace be shown true in our lives. Let 2017 be the greatest year of our lives, O oh God. And greater revelation, greater peace, greater love, but Father, greater power, signs and wonders. In Jesus' name, amen.